Okay, guys, welcome to another episode. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that I already made a video on on YouTube. So it's it's the latest video that I have as of right now, as of the making of this episode, which is the chances of getting bit. So I'm going to beat the dead horse a little bit, and I'm going to give you a story to complement that um, you know that video that I made. The video is only about six minutes long, so if you want to check it out, it's on uh, it's on the YouTube channel, and again, it's called "Chances of Getting Bit." Uh, and now, I want to compliment for uh, those of you that watch the YouTube channel and listen to the podcast. And if you don't watch the YouTube channel and you only listen to the podcast, I'm going to fill you in a little bit on that. And the reason I started talking about this topic of basically, you know, being aware of the capability that dogs have to bite is because it is it is something that that could happen. I recently talked to uh I recently talked to uh to a client about this. And um it's just in general it, it, you know it wasn't it wasn't a, a discussion, an argument or anything, nothing like that at all. It was just a topic that came up that sort of reminded me, you know, I haven't talked about this in a while. So it's very important that people are always aware, especially dog trainers, anybody who works with dogs, really, to be aware that dogs always have the potential to bite. That is always an option. It doesn't matter what kind of dog it is. And it doesn't matter what you do, whether you're a groomer or a vet tech, a dog trainer, a dog walker, there's always that potential, that probability, even if it's your own dog. Okay. And I talked about complacency. And what complacency basically is, is it's when you pretty much go on autopilot. So if you if you've ever learned the skill, if you if you've ever learned to do something, you notice that when you're learning, the learning process looks something like this. First, you you don't quite know what you're doing, so you pay a lot of attention. And you're hyper aware of every little detail when you're learning how to do something. Right? Like driving, for instance. You're you're hyper aware of everything. And you know, you're you're getting your your uh your mechanics ready, you're, you're paying attention to every little detail, and you gradually get better at this, at this new skill. And that's any skill. So you gradually get better at this. And when you get really good at it, or when you get decent at it at least, once you've had some a, a bunch of practice under your belt, what starts to happen is you start to get comfortable doing it which is good. You start to get comfortable doing it. You're not as hyper aware of every tiny little detail because it gets done. You go on autopilot, which is why when you're learning how to drive, if if it's a habit of yours to, you know, put your seatbelt on for instance. Well, when you're learning how to drive, you have to constantly be reminded, right? Somebody's constantly reminding you, "Hey, you forgot to, you, you got to put your seatbelt on." You got to put the key in the ignition. You have to step on the brake. You got to turn the ignition. And depending if you are learning how to drive a, a, a standard 
So stick shift or a, or an automatic transmission, you you follow up with the next sequence. So you're thinking about every little sequence, right? So if you're driving a stick shift, you have to then think about stepping then on the uh, on the clutch, shift into first gear, and then put your right foot on the on the gas, and then slowly uh, decrease the pressure on the clutch as you're also at the same time slowly putting pressure on the on the gas right so those little details that you have to be so hyper aware of eventually you become really comfortable with that to the point where you at some point you 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 get in the car and then you get to your destination and you didn't even think about the little details that were so important at some point Right, the details are suddenly just, you realize that you just got them done. You don't even know how you put your seatbelt on. You don't even know because you're not thinking about those little details anymore. Your subconscious takes over, and that's when you go on autopilot. But the problem with going on autopilot is that's when complacency will sneak in. And this is where accidents can happen, right? It's the same thing with dog training. I know I went a little bit too long on the on the driving analogy because most people drive so i thought that was a good analogy and dog training i can tell you it has happened to me and uh, and i've talked to other dog trainers that have admitted to me you know that, yeah sometimes that can happen so when that happens you get very comfortable all right you get very comfortable doing what you're doing this is the complacency part to the point where you start overlooking little details that gradually become potential hazards okay so when that starts to happen you know you start missing little things you start or you even become tunnel vision and, and this happens right this this can happen and um and then before you know it something you either have a close call that's a that's always a good uh, a good reminder or you get bit and that's when you realize ah, you know what this is what happened and this is what happened and that's why that happened so the possibility for that happening is always there so the story that I wanted to tell you it's, uh, it's a story that happened it didn't happen to me like that the incident did not happen to me it happened to to a coworker, this is when I was in Afghanistan, and uh, it happened to a handler. I was a trainer at the time, and so uh, as the trainer, I'm conducting the training session where we were actually conducting a, a certification. And uh, the my supervisor, which we call them in in those terms, we call them kennel masters. So the kennel master and then the trainer, right, were setting up this uh this certification this is basically a test we hide the odors and as we hide the odors we bring the teams the teams by the teams i mean the handler and the dog they don't know where the odors are so it is up to the team to conduct a search and it's a training scenario okay with with real explosives so we're using explosives we're hiding them they're not they're not set up they're not they're not booby traps it's it's very safely very safely conducted so we go through the teams and you know people are doing well 
people are, uh, you know, most people are doing pretty well. Everything's going pretty smooth. And, um, and we have this one handler with his dog. Suddenly, you know, that's their turn. And I've talked about this case, this, this particular incident for a very long time. Every time I had the opportunity to talk about defensive handling and bite prevention, I always bring up this, this scenario because it happens so quick. And it sort of caught everybody by surprise. So it's the guy's turn. This is a dog that he has been working with, okay? He's been working with this dog for a decent amount of time. It's not a dog that just got assigned to him. It's a dog that he has a bond with, dog that he has worked with. They've gone out and done stuff. It's just that every so often we have to perform certifications. You know, it's it's not that um, they were new and they were certifying so that they could start doing their thing. It's just that every so often they had to conduct some some uh, validations or certifications. So this was one of those times. And uh, and, and as we're doing this, you know, the, the guy comes out with his dog. His dog is super pumped. That was a Malinois. Super, super pumped. And the the team, you know, they start doing their thing, find the first odor. Good job. Right, the dog is searching, finds the odor, alerts. The um, you know he checks with the uh, checks with us let to let us know the dog alerted, and then it's up to us to tell them, yep, that's a positive alert, or if it's the case, we'll tell them that's a false alert, that's a false response. In this case, you know the dog was doing pretty well. Dog is doing well. You know the dog finds, sits. That's part of the alert. We verify it. The handler pays his dog. That's when the handler gives him the toy. This happens for, you know, goes nice and smooth for about two two sessions. I mean, not two sessions. I'm sorry, two two finds. And then we get to about the third find. I believe it was the third find, where the handler is looking for the team. You know, the the dog and the handler are, are sort of doing the search, and the dog finds it. The dog actually gets to the to the source. But here's one error the dog made. Right before the dog sits, the dog paws at the source. Now, these dogs are supposed to be doing a passive response. It's what we call a passive response, which is either lay down or sit. Now, some some agencies, are they, they will take the stare. But with us, it's either um, it was either a sit or a down. Not a freeze, not a stand, not a stare, either a sit or a down. That was the policy. So the dog gets to the odor, and right before he sits, he was so pumped, right? Right before he sits, he puts his paw on it. He, like, lightly scratches it. Well, because it's not a training session. It's it's a, a validation slash certification. The kennel master, my supervisor, calls it. He goes, nope, pull your dog out. And this puzzled the handler. So the handler was like, so so that's not it? And uh, the kennel master, my supervisor, goes, no, pull him out. That's it. But he, he scratched it. So the handler was obviously frustrated. So he pulls his dog out. Now his dog is sitting, okay, waiting for his reward. And the handler's all flustered. He's frustrated. 
So he pulls his dog out. He's not paying attention to his dog. He just pulls him out. And as he pulls him out, he the handler sort of starts protesting. Not because because the the scratch was barely a scratch. He didn't like flat out scratch it. He like barely put his paw on it. So, you know, the guy is obviously frustrated. Now it is <laughs> it's not a training session, so so we can't go, all right, let's let's address it real quick. It was a nope, you failed. So as he's pulling him out, the guy's frustrated, he pulls the dog out, and the dog suddenly nails his his handler. Now the handler didn't correct the dog. That's that's not why the dog bit him. Okay, it's not that the handler got pissed, corrected the dog unfairly, and then pulled him out. The handler just pulled him out, but didn't correct him. There was no correction at all. The dog was attached to like the flat collar because he was doing a search. So there was no correction. There was no prong collar. Okay, this is a contract with uh, with the DOD. And as per contract, we can't use prong collars on these dogs. That's a story for another episode. But he just pulls his dog out. It's just on a, on a flat collar. It just pulls him away. And that dog looks so infuriated, so puzzled too, that the dog just decides, no. Nope, fuck you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get something. And the dog goes into a, 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 bites him right in the calf from behind. I mean, grabs him like full, full mouth. The handler instantly, he, the handler doesn't see it coming because the dog comes from behind. The handler instantly starts flipping out, starts screaming. And like as soon as he did, the, the handler just collapsed. I mean, this dog wasn't just like, you know, like fear biting. It wasn't like a, a warning bite. It was a full mouth. It was like like the type of bites that you see on on dogs do on bite suits, you know, when they're doing leg bites. It was like a full like nail. Like there was no conflict at all. This dog went full full power, grabbed them right in the calf, full mouth, and it didn't take by like maybe like a second or so, and that guy was already on the ground. And here is what happened, right? The kennel master, my supervisor, he, he's been doing this for a long time, a lo- lot longer than I have been. That's why he's my supervisor. And when something like this happens, even though we know it's always a possibility, sometimes you, you freeze, and that's what happened. <laughs> supervisor, I mean, completely froze. I, I will admit, I froze, but I remember... I remember I snapped myself out of it. So I immediately dropped my clipboard and without even thinking about the repercussions of this behavior, I just went, I just went to the guy. I just went, grabbed the dog, didn't even have a plan, right? I just grabbed the dog, grabbed the flat collar, start twisting the collar. And this dog is just going Full, full mouth. I'll grab the collar. I start twisting the collar. Obviously, I don't want to pull because I know pulling will trigger opposition reflex, will trigger the dog to get more possessive. So, you know, I I just grab, start twisting. And as I'm doing this, I mean, this guy, by this time, this this guy is already passed out. He, He just passed out. He just 
was not conscious anymore. So I finally, get, and that dog was not stopping. <laughs> so I finally get the dog out. And as soon as the dog lets go, my first thought is like, oh, shit. But fortunately, by then, my kennel master, my supervisor, has snapped out of it himself. So by the time I got this dog out, the the kennel master, my supervisor, and he was right behind me and immediately took over, grabbed the dog. Uh, we called the other handlers. They pulled up the van. We we carried the, the handler from the ground. This leg was destroyed. I mean, this dog did so much damage, and it only took a matter of, like, just seconds. This was a, a dual-purpose dog, meaning he did protection. He did bite work that was part of the certification, and he also did scent detection. So they have to do bite work, part of the contract. So we take the, you know, we, we take the, pull the dog away. Uh, we carry the handler. I mean, his pants, his legs destroyed. There's like blood on the, you know, on the gravel. And we took the guy to the hospital. We took the guy to the medic. And the, the, the damage was very severe. It was very, very severe. The, the amount of damage, I saw the pictures. And it's it was unbelievable. This wasn't like a you know this wasn't a like a hundred pound dog. <laughs> you know this wasn't a, a corso. It wasn't a, a just a big big massive dog. He was a big dog, but he wasn't like he wasn't like a hundred pound you know dog. He wasn't a, a beast. He was just a, a well stocky you know just beefy dog. But he wasn't. He wasn't just crazy massive. But the amount of damage that this dog caused in a matter of seconds was unbelievable. I mean, it was it was like full, full mouth. And the damage, by looking at the pictures, I mean, this dog did tremendous damage. Needless to say, this guy, um, he had to have lots of surgery. He had He was flown out to Germany. He, um, what they did, you know, more in-depth surgery than when he got back to the States, uh, when, you know, he, you know, obviously he left country. He went to the States after, after Germany and he continued on with, um, therapy and reconstructive surgeries last I heard, but the damage, the damage that this dog caused is unbelievable. And this came from a dog that this person knew. Okay. He was a dog handler with experience. He had been a dog handler for a long time. And it was a dog that he had been taking care of. Now, this is obviously, we can also bring in temperament here. Okay, we can obviously, we can always bring in temperament. This, These are temperament traits also, and even genetics too. So, you know, people ask, well, what did he do? Oh, well, you know, he must have done something. And I'm telling you, no, he didn't do it. The only thing he did is he told the dog, okay, dude, we're not playing. Which is a it's a strategy that I use with my dog. And uh, and it works because the dogs do get frustrated. They're like, what do you mean? It's, it's you know, we're doing negative punishment here. Okay, if you want to act like a fool, we're not going to play. We're going to think about what you did and we're going to, pull you out later and then we're going to try it. 
but this dog uh took it way way into a different direction this dog was like no this dog <laughs> this dog was just it, it was crazy now this happened to a guy with the dog that he handled okay he handled this dog regularly the reason i'm telling you this is you should never put it past any dog even your own to have the option to put their teeth on you now probably probably not to this extreme this is a pretty extreme case but it should never come to you as a surprise okay this is i do this with all the people that i work with sometimes you know whether it's a client a club member and you know their dogs act a certain way sometimes i have to remind them hey yeah i mean um has he ever has, has he ever done this? I'll ask. You know, what's your dog's age? And as the, as they mature, as they go from puppyhood to adulthood, sometimes they start to think about that a little bit more. It is an option. You know, they get they get feisty and they go, "No, I don't. I don't want to play by your rules all the time. That's I want to do my own thing." And sometimes, occasionally, with some dogs, not every dog, with some dogs, they get a little bit. You know, they get a little bit. Uh, pissy and they they'll even show their uh their handlers their owners you know what if i don't do that you know what if i push you around you know what if i uh you know what if i protest a little bit you know you know what if i don't want to sit when you know when this is happening so occasionally those things happen and um you know, I always always bring it up. If I see it, I'll let him know. Has he ever done that? And sometimes the a lot of times the answer is no, never. Okay, I'm like, okay, I just want you to know that, um, you know, the based on the dog too, based on the dog's body language, I'll make that assessment and I'll go. You know, he's he seems like he would be the type of dog that that um, that might try that at some point. Or or he's definitely seems like the type of dog. I'm definitely seeing that he is absolutely thinking about it. If he hasn't done so, based on what he did just a moment ago, I'll tell them, right, this is what I see. I'll tell them. I can tell you he's definitely thought about it. So this is the reality of working with dogs. You are working with an animal that has teeth and I never put it past a dog to think of that as an option and like I said on the video I made you know, sometimes you get bit and you go to, if you have to go to the doctor because it's a it's a serious bite I've, I've had to do that and uh, you know I've had, I've had some semi-serious bites nothing like this guy this guy right here took the cake but I've had bites where I had to get stitched up and one of the questions that that I've been asked and one of the questions that other people get asked is, you know, what happened? What did you do? <laughs> and it's not always, you know, it's not always what did you do? Sometimes it's, well, I mean, what do you tell this guy? <laughs> what, do you, what do you tell him? So what did you do? I, I just pulled him out and he got frustrated and he bit me. He nailed, not he bit me, like he f fucked me up. Now, can you imagine if this guy was by himself. He would have definitely lost his leg. Right? Now, if you're probably wondering, I wonder what happened to that dog. That dog got reassigned. 
that dog got reassigned. Now, shortly after that, I went to, um, you know, I left that region. But, um, yeah, I mean, that dog got reassigned. He got sent back to, we were in, in, in Shindand, and then that dog got transferred back to Kandahar to be reassigned to another handler. And after that, that was the last I heard of it. So, But I know uh, from from what I remember hearing, that dog got reassigned. Uh, people are probably thinking, well, he should be put down. But this was actually a good dog. He was finding things. <laughs> it's not like the dog was a piece of crap that, that just was useless. This dog was good at his job. He just, he just, uh, you know, he just had th- this issue right here. But, um, but no, this dog was actually, dog was actually good. You know, this dog found things. He, he was pretty good. But um, anyway, yeah, so never, ever put it past a dog to do that. I work with working dogs practically daily. I have, uh, I have appointments. I have clients with working dogs. As a matter of fact, if I think about it now, I don't, I don't think I have a single client with just a regular pet dog. All of my clients are, even the clients that have uh, behavior modification issues, they're all working dogs. You know, I have the club, which, uh, you know, they're all working dogs twice a week. I have um, have, uh, bite day on Sundays. And, you know, I have a bunch of working dogs then. I have uh, lessons with, uh, private lessons with clients throughout the week and all of these guys are working dogs so to me you know when i see these dogs biting all the time yes they're biting under a certain set of circumstances which makes it very predictable for them and for the helpers but i just never put it past any dog to take that option because it always is an option okay now, if you're constantly getting bit, you might want to reassess maybe your approach. But depending on what you do, it could be a possibility. Okay, I've gotten bit a bunch working with working dogs. And uh, and the reason was, too, was when I was working with those working dogs, most of the time I was working with dogs that were not, as obviously they were not assigned to me. So... As a trainer, I'm working with dogs that get flown in. We have a certain number of uh, a period of time where we have to train these dogs, pair them up with handlers, and get a, get the next shipment of dogs that get flown in. So we're constantly seeing new dogs, and as we're getting to see them and, and as we get to know them, we get to know their quirks as well. And when I was working with the handlers, obviously these are not my dogs. So now I'm helping the handlers. And occasionally, I have to interact with the dog. And I have to interact with the handler a lot. And sometimes there have been instances in which the handler didn't communicate something to me about their dog. And, you know, and and I've gotten bit. So sometimes your situation and based on what you do also determines how likely you are to get bit. But just remember, guys, okay, I'm going to wrap it up here pretty soon. But just remember, 
you work with dogs, animals in general, okay, never put it past the dog to bite. Don't be surprised if your dog ever shows teeth. It happens. I mean, they're animals for crying out loud, right? Why would, would why would we hold dogs to such a unbelievably ridiculous standard to to think oh he's never gonna bite he's never gonna do that it just it's fairy tale okay it's just a lot of times we get lucky but you have to be aware that it is a possibility all right make sure you guys uh check out the the website doctoringismypassion.com there is a members area now on there so um if you look up, um, if you go to the website, you will see like a few tabs. One for uh, like a you know for you to contact me and work me work with me. There is one for the working dog course, and then there is a tab for the members area. So make sure you check it out. There's a lot of really there. There's solely exclusive content in that in that members area. So make sure you check it out. It's a very low monthly fee. And I'm putting videos on there weekly. There's already a bunch of content on there on remote collar, um, bite work, obedience training, and a lot more to come on the oncoming weeks. So make sure you guys check it out. Make sure you like and subscribe on YouTube. And I'll see you guys on the next episode.